Hello and welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism and entertainment. I'm your co-host David Cumberbatch and I'm joined by the man from hot and steamy Las Vegas, my co-host Michael Gordon Bennett. Hot and steamy would be an apt description. I don't know if consumers know this, but Vegas actually has a monsoon season. And it actually starts July 1st. And what basically happens is the moisture from the Sea of Cortez, which is that little body that separates um, uh, what we call Baja California, which is actually Mexico from mainstream Mexico. The moisture streams up from there. We get monsoons. Unfortunately, our monsoon season is a little late this year. And Vegas, Vegas hasn't had a drop of rain since February. So uh, this morning, the clouds came. We saw a couple of rainbows, but it's so hot here that the rain is not hitting the ground. You can see it falling from the sky and it's actually evaporating before it hits the ground. Never seen anything like that. <laughs> I don't know, Richard. Wor- I, I really don't know what is worse for you, the monsoons or the haboobs. Oh, um, well, you know, we don't get a lot of the haboobs. For those of you who don't know, that's a Middle Eastern term for sandstorms. Uh, we get those about once or twice a year, and it, they, they don't last for more than a minute or two. But uh, the heat is what bothers me the most, and it's it's ugly. I mean, I don't know any other way to say You know, I have to get up at 5.30 in the morning to ride my bike before it gets hot. This morning at 6 a.m., it was 90. At listen, 6 a.m. Listen, move to New York. Be almost COVID free, you'll be happy. Or, <laughs> or, or better still, go to the Caribbean. All right. Um. Yeah, because you guys are more COVID free than we are here in Vegas. We do have a, a a spike in some of the cases here, mainly because of the tourists tourists that have come here. Um. You know, we're on the upswing. In other words, we haven't hit our peak yet, but I think that's because the casinos opened on July 1st and we're still having some issues trying to navigate that. So uh, I'm going to be actually uh, curious to see how this plays out because I look at Vegas as a, a test case for close contact, if you will. I mean, how are you going to stop people from congregating in a casino? It make any can. sense. You know, you're not. And I, I've only gone to the strip once, as you well know, and that was the day I got back from California from visiting my son. And um, things were not open then as much as they are now. So uh, I, I'm actually refusing to go to the strip because I don't want that close contact. My girlfriend's got two 90 year old parents, so I'm not interested in getting them sick. So, you know, I, I'll stay away. I'll wait. I'm, I'm perfectly yeah. fine. So before we get to our guest, let me take care of a few housekeeping notes as we do with every podcast. Um, we'd like to hear from those voiceless travelers out there, those of you who have great travel stories but never get a chance to tell anybody but your family and friends. Well, now you get to tell us too. And to if you have some great stories and you want to appear on our podcast, just drop us a line. You can send it via email to contact at tripcast360.com. That is contact at tripcast360.com. And uh, some of you will, like our guest today, Gina Paul, will actually be able to be guests on our podcast. You can also listen to us on all your favorite podcast outlets, whether it's iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We are pretty much everywhere. And you can follow us on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And our website, Trip 
tripcast360.com. And as a final note, in a couple of weeks, we are actually going to start some newsletter signups so that you can get uh, in contact with us and see what we're up to. Plus, at some point, we're actually going to start having travel deals listed on our website for you to take advantage of. So follow us, like us, do all that great stuff, subscribe, and and, uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Now I'm just going to jump right into our guest today. Gina Paul developed a love for travel during summer journeys with her family as a child. While those early trips were local, she was hooked and since has visited 20 countries on three continents. She shares those experiences on Facebook and Instagram, and when she's not on the road, she's a teacher of kindergarten and first grade special needs students. And if that's not enough, she's now pub- she's now a published author with the release of her first book, and Dave, I love this title, I Am Not yeah. Being Lazy, I Just Don't Understand. Gina, welcome to TripCast 360. Thank you, Michael, and thank you, David, for having me. Yeah, G- <laughs> Go ahead, Gina. I am really excited. I I can, I couldn't wait for this interview because I have so many stories that I would like to tell you guys that that might see some of them might seem a little unbelievable or just plain bad luck. Some <laughs> 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 was just plain bad. So I am really really looking forward to really have that conversation with you guys. So thank okay. you for having me. Okay, but I'll tell you what. Considering all the traveling that you've done. Where would you most like to live in the world? And what's your favorite place so far? Ooh, I have two. Out out of all the traveling that you've done. I have two. Um, Is either Morocco, uh, Marrakesh, Morocco, to be specific, or it would be um, Santorini, Greece. Those are my two locations, and I absolutely love them. I I went to Greece in, in the August month, and it was hot. It was really, really hot. It was almost 100 degrees every single day I was there. But it was so amazing to be there. The weather, the people, the scenery, it was amazing. Amazing. And I went by myself, so I didn't have to wait for anyone. I didn't have to ask anyone, you want to go there? Don't you want to go there? I was like, I do what I want when I want it. So that's one major plus when you travel alone. A solo traveler. Oh yes, I do. I do solo. I do groups, but not too big, because when you have too many people, there are too many opinions. So I, I'm very, I'm very cautious about who I ask and who I don't ask to join me on my trips, because I do have rules. <laughs> I do because let me tell you, it is really difficult when you travel with people who are very stubborn, who want to do their own thing, especially when you're in a foreign country. You have to be very careful because, as traveling as women, you have to be careful because you don't know. Even if it's a first world country or third world country, it doesn't really matter. You still have to be careful. So, one of my absolute number one, my absolute number one rule is you don't go anywhere by yourself. So normally there's only three of us who travels together. So if one person is leaving the resort, everybody's leaving the resort. If one person is going to an excursion, everyone is going to, to that excursion because it's a, it's a, it's a matter of safety. Makes, so I really enjoy it. Makes sense. Now you've been traveling since you were a, a, a child, as I said in my intro. Um, I know most of that was I'm assuming within the continental United States. Uh, when did you, when did you go overseas for the first time? Well, because I was born in Haiti, um, in Cape Haitian Haiti. Okay. So my very first overseas trip was really coming to America. Ah. That was my very first. And yes, and I came to the U.S. Um, however, after after about 
20 or so years of living in the U.S., my very first trip outside of the U.S. Um, was actually to Europe. And it was a three-country tour I did with a couple of friends. It was um, France, Germany, and Italy. We went to um, Rome and Germany. I mean, Rome and Italy. We went to um, Paris and France. And we went to several different cities in um, Germany. Um, it was Augsburg, Munich, and Bavaria. Those are the places that we that we went. Those were my that was my very first international trip after coming to America. Uh, well, I'm assuming you coming from Haiti, it wasn't too scary for you to hop on a plane and go to Europe, unlike most Americans who seem to be afraid to hop on a plane to go to the next state. Oh, no, because by then I've already been on planes many times within the U.S. Because I traveled quite a bit before then, but only within the U.S. Um, but I've already been to about 30 different um, U.S. states. So it's, I've been traveling back and forth. And some of our experiences on those flights were very interesting. Um, I'd rather fly than drive, actually. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yes. I will do it any day. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, Gina, it still astonishes me that there are so many Americans who have never even left the, um, where they were born, that general area where they were born. What would you say to someone who has never traveled, the, the types of experiences that they would have, how traveling will literally change their life? What would you say to someone like that? Because I've had that conversation with people before, and one of them was my was my eldest sister. I have been, well, since she came from Haiti and come because we all came together. I was ten, she was fifteen, and my second sister was twelve when we came to the U.S. And um, by after that, maybe a few years back and forth, she's gone to Haiti and back, but it was more for um, like funerals and whatnot, not really for luxury. So from then, she's been married for twenty three years. They never went on a honeymoon. <laughs> Um, and they kept for about their first 20, they never went on a honeymoon. They, she's like, Oh no, I don't want to be on a plane. I don't want to travel. And I'm like, why not? I'm like, by then I've already been to many different places. I'm sending her pictures. I'm showing her videos. I'm like, you will enjoy it. It will broaden your horizon. It will show you so many different things that you just are not aware of. Opening up to different cultures, different food, um, different experiences, things that being narrow and within just staying here within New York City, it's, it's, I mean, yes, you, you meet a lot of people. However, you don't really experience what they experience when, they, when they're leaving their country coming here. I want, because I've been pushing and pushing and pushing. So fine, it's like, okay, you know what? Fine. So last year was the first time, last year in December was the first time she finally said, okay, let's do a trip. I was like, let me book it before she changed her mind. So I quickly booked the trip. I booked this, so it was myself, my eldest niece, who was 19 at the time, um, and one of my girlfriends, who's, who's one of my travel buddies, and the four of us actually um, flew to Mexico, went to Cancun, Mexico. And when, by the time she came back, she, she's already prepared for the next trip. So I was like, you see, it is, she's like, oh my gosh, I never knew this. I thought it was just um, the, the um, she didn't want to be in the play for very long. I'm like, it's only like four hours. You know, if we go straight, it's only four mm -hmm. hours. She's like, I don't know. But when she came back, she was telling her husband, she was telling her kids. <laughs> and now everyone wants to go. So for me, the, the, uh, what I would actually advise people who have never left their state or their country or their city is 
it would open your eyes to see so much. Some of the things that you believe in, you will no longer believe in them. Some of the things that you have, you'd never want to experience, you realize how much you were lacking from not experiencing them. Um, food that you say, I would never try, and you realize how much you actually love them because they're authentic food, not the stuff that they brought here and then now it's mixing in with everything else and now you don't even know what it is anymore. So, and I think it's, you know, the different languages, the different cultures. Um, when you, I, one of my biggest things, I love the architectures of the different countries, especially like older countries like Morocco, like Italy, like France. And those countries being around for a while. So the architecture really, really, really inspires me. And looking at them, I'm like, oh my, I'm like, you guys would experience so much. It will really open your eyes. So I'm always pushing people to do it. And when they say, oh, it's the money. I don't have any money. I was like, well, how about this? And I've, and I've actually had a conversation with, with a friend of mine. I'm like, how about this? You spend so much money going out to eat. Let's just say for maybe two, three times a week, you don't go out to eat. You eat at home and you save that money. At the end of the year, plan a trip. It doesn't have to be to Europe. It doesn't have to be to Asia. It could be something close by. Go to the Bahamas go to Mexico. They're very short trips. And if you get them at a really good time, you get amazing rates and you get all inclusive resorts and you, it will be amazing. Like, and so I'm always pushing people to go because I want them to experience the joy that I feel when I'm on that plane, I'm ready to go. And I'm already, okay, this is where I'm going to go. I'm making my plans where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's amazing. And I love it. And I want everyone to experience that. You, you, you know, um, I don't know if this stat is still true, but less than 15% of Americans even have a passport, which means they're not experiencing the rest of the world. And I'm spoiled. Any, anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm a military brat and I've been traveling since I was a child. Um, you know, I went to first and second grade in Spain. And so travel for me is kind of ingrained. It's, in, it's embedded in me. But my little sister, who is eight years younger than I am, she's never left the country. Because she was not alive when we moved to Spain. And she has a fear factor of actually traveling. I remember when her, my niece, who's now in her 20s, went to the Bahamas with her boyfriend. My sister was calling me on the phone panicking because her daughter basically went on a 39-minute flight from Miami to Nassau. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and she was like all panicked and worried about crime and worried about, you know, money and the exchange rate and the expense. And I'm like looking at her, it's like... Mandy, slow your roll. It's like, <laughs> you know, they speak English there. It's a 39-minute flight from Nassau, uh, from Miami to Nassau. Um, I, I, they got great places to visit, great places to eat, lots of history that she can explore. And if she just wants to lay on the beach, she can do that too. I said, stop panicking. So when my niece gets back home and tells my sister that she had such a wonderful time, all of a sudden my sister got the travel bug in her and decided to drive across the border from California into Mexico. First time she'd ever left the United States. Wow. And I'm just shaking my head and said, we're a military family and you've never had this passion to go anyplace. I don't understand that. And I think a lot of it too is American media has a lot to do with creating fear of other places, of the other places to go. And I can't recall in the, I don't know how many countries I visited. I guess one day I should sit down and count. I have never felt unsafe in any place I have ever gone, ever. Same here. 
Yeah, I've Same always here. I've always felt welcomed. I've always felt like they went out of their way to to assist me with whatever I needed. If there was a language barrier, I, I got over that. I fortunately I have a girlfriend who speaks who, whose first language is Spanish, so I get the Spanish influence. Plus, I can pick off words here and there. I've got cousins who grew up in Germany because my uncle was in the army. Um, I just, I don't understand why people are so afraid. They've got to stop watching television. I'm convinced. Stop watching TV. I agree. I have to agree with you on that. I think a lot of the fear is not just TV. One person hears it and then pass the news around and pass it to the next person and pass it to the next person. Next thing you know, it becomes it cripples people. Yeah. Those things really cripples people. They hear. I remember um, when I was um, I went on my first solo trip to Greece. Um, and, and that's because I was supposed to have a couple of friends go with me. And the last minute they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't go. And I was like, OK, um, I'll see you guys when I come back. And I, you know, and I booked my trip and I left. My sister, my whole entire family went into a total panic. Oh, my gosh, you don't speak the language. You are female. You are black female. Um, you, uh, you've never done this before. So, oh my, I mean, everyone was in a panic. And so I literally had to be like, listen, here's what I'm going to do to help you guys be a little um, less panicky. So I make, I make copies of all my documents, passport, credit cards, debit cards, um, any type of card I was taking with me. I make, I make copies. I make copies of where I was staying, the number, the address, um, my flight information. I put everything in an envelope and I gave it to my sister. I'm like, um, you have my phone number. I have, my phone will be on. If you need me, call me. If I will make sure I called you, whatever stuff I'm in, when I'm, when I'm at the hotel, every night I will call you to let you know hey I am in the room like I need I'm like I will do whatever you guys need to do just to keep your mind at ease and and that's why I, I ended up doing and be, but I ever before that I made sure that I explained to them like listen before I left uh, I knew some people in uh, in Greece and I, I made my phone calls I'm like hey this is where I'm playing on staying is it a safe area Hey, this is, you know, this is what I was planning on doing. Is this something that, that, that would be possible for me to do as a single person? This is, so therefore I make sure that I arrange all that before I, before I even left. Again, it is a foreign country and I am going by myself and I don't speak Greek. Um, however, when you, when I got there, majority of people speak English anyway. That's right. So it, really, it wasn't really a big thing. And um, for me, like I said, I just had to be very careful about where I go. I never, if I'm by myself on a solo trip, I don't stay out past eight o'clock p.m. I make sure that, again, that's a rule I have for myself. Not everyone has to do that, but that's a rule I have for myself. And I stay fast to it that eight o'clock will find me in that, in that room. My door is locked, bolted. I'm, I'm on my iPad trying to find a movie to watch. And that's it. <laughs> because I want to make sure that, you know, and I don't, I don't go the same places every day. So I don't have anybody looking at me like, Hey, I remember her. Let me follow her. I'm like, so I have certain rules in place for myself if I'm traveling by myself. And I have certain rules in place if I'm traveling in a group. So I made sure I told, you know, I tell my family, okay, this is my plan. This is what I'm doing. This is what I've already done. This is how I did it. So that they will be at ease. I mean, my, my, they still worried, but they were less so because they knew I was prepared. And when I, when I arrived there, I called them like, Hey, um, I'm, I just hit the hotel. This is my room number. So if you call me, you can't reach me. Here's their hotel number. Call them and ask, you know, ask them for this room and you know, Hey, tomorrow I'm going to go, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And I always, wherever I go, I always take public transportation. Only one time when we went to um, France and Nice that we landed in Nice and then we stayed there for a few days and then we um, actually took the um, 
a car and we drove to this place called I always have to forget I always have to put it down it's called um Cadnet and beautiful little town it is oh it is so gorgeous it's like it's like a little farm town it's right off the French Riviera beautiful so we drove there that was the only time I've ever had to rent a car other than that it, I always take public transportation right. I was I have my map I've I'm like okay I need to go here and there so I'll tell myself okay, this is where I'm gonna go and then when I come back I will call you guys to let you know I'm in for the night. The door is bolted. You guys can go to sleep in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's a, it's a, it sounds like you spend more time trying to prepare your family than it is enjoying the trip. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I mean, I want to make sure, I want to enjoy the trip. That's why I prepared them so much ahead of time so that all I have to do is just call them and say, hey, I'm go- uh, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, now I'm in. Good night. <laughs> so that I won't have to do all of that every single minute because they already know okay she's gonna go here she's going to go there if anything happened we know you know she I always have my phone with me she's just calling you develop a love for travel you mentioned um when you were very young taking trips with your family mm-hmm. do you have a favorite uh travel childhood story um yes <laughs> We actually went on a trip to um, Graymore, Pennsylvania. Um, and because <laughs> we always go to like more local trips. We, I mean, we were not dirt poor, but we couldn't afford to fly anywhere, really. And we just drove everywhere. We went to D.C. We went to this neighboring around the U.S., um, the, um, New York cities. So we went to um, um, Graymore, Pennsylvania. And my mom, my mom is a great cook. She is an amazing cook. And um, so she's, whenever we go places, we eat food, she's always like, oh, this is not really that great. Oh, this is really good. Oh, this is, this is good. <laughs> so we arrived um, at this all-you-can-eat buffet. And, um, and, the, and the food was really good because it was the Amish people um, that makes the food and everything was fresh. So we were there. having fried chicken. You were having corn on the cob. I mean, it was good. So we're, we're eating, and my mom is like, and because she called me Zhu, because my nickname is Juju. She called me Zhu, come here. And I'm like, yeah, my mom had a big purse. And she had a, I'm like, mommy, what are you doing? She had a big plastic in the purse. So I'm like, the food. What are you she's like, go get some more chicken. I'm That's like, right. mom, what are you doing? I she's have like, been there. Get, <laughs> like, go get some chicken. I was like, mommy, we, I, I think I was like 12. I was like, mommy, I'm not doing that. She's like, go get some chicken right now. And of course, after a while, you have to do what you were told. So I went, I got some chicken. She got my sisters getting chicken. She got my brother getting chicken. So then on our way back, we were on the bus, um, on our way back. And then it was, it, we, the bus was late. So it was, so we, we were all hungry. And my mom took out that bag from her purse. <laughs> <laughs> chicken. So we're all like, oh man. She's like, uh-huh. Now you are hungry, huh? But you got to it. <laughs> that is a very good story. That's I a good love story. It. I've yeah. always thought it was amazing. We all we, we laugh about that story all, all the time. All right, all the time. I, I, I'm I'm going to go in the other direction now because we had a guest on last week who actually ate tarantula in the Mekong Delta. Have you done anything crazy like that? No, I refuse. That's the one thing that when it comes to food, I will try whatever the um, the main dish is in that country. As long as it's nothing like crazy, crazy. Right. Um, I mean, I would try the dish to see whatever, but stuff like 
um, bugs or no. Well, I do have limitations. In, in Monica's defense, uh, she says she had a couple <laughs> of drinks before she had that tarantula leg. So I'll I'll, oh. I'll help her out a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you've had the. You're too young for what I'm about to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you have a okay. bucket list of places you would like to go that you've never been? Yes, uh, that I do. Um, I actually wanted to go to Dubai and um, and we actually one of my girlfriends turning 50. So um, next year. So that's our plan. You know, hopefully this whole pandemic thing doesn't last any longer. So then that would that's definitely is one of um, my bucket list. And um, I've always wanted to go to Japan. That's another place that's on my bucket list. I've never I've never been to Asia. I've never been to that continent yet. So Japan is one of those places I've, I've always wanted to go. I'm looking I'm really looking forward to going to there just just for the culture. Um, I'm, I'm, so I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, and also, oh my gosh, um, what's it called? Um, it just literally like escaped my mind, but, um, but there's several other places that I've, that I've wanted to go, but more out of curiosity than anything else. And I'm like, you know what? I would like to go like Australia. You know, I always want just to see the kangaroos live. I was like, I want to see them in person, not in the zoo. I want to actually see them roaming free, like how they were meant to. So Australia is one of those places too, that I would like to visit. But those definitely on my bucket list. Yeah. When, um, when Dave and I were going to launch this podcast, obviously the Olympics were still going to happen in Japan. So we sat down and we started building all this coverage around it. And I was actually just getting ready to pick up the phone and make some calls to see if we can get to Japan. And then COVID hit. So obviously that didn't happen. And then the Olympics got canceled. So we weren't going anywhere. Uh, I want to touch on COVID and you for just a second. What are your overall feelings about COVID and travel and, and, and what people need to do? I mean, I've been on a plane once since COVID hit when I went to visit my son and it was a little scary. Um, just kind of give us your, your take on COVID. I mean, if we can't avoid it. I mean, right now you really can't avoid it. Um, I know that for my trips for the year, it ha- everything has been canceled, unfortunately, because I was pl- we were planning on going to Hawaii um, next month in August, and we were also planning on going back to Mexico. That was with my sister and her whole family. That was the trip that we we're all looking forward to, and we had to cancel those plans as well. Um, I think because um, because I have seen many people posting on social media that they're all traveling, they're all going to the Caribbean islands and and whatnot. And I said, as long as you're not you're not fearful about it, I just don't want anybody to feel crippled by it. That's mm-hmm. my, my that's my main thing. It's like um, because that could really cripple someone when you have a fear of like, oh my gosh, if I touch this or if I go there or if I do this, then this is going to happen and that is going to happen. But I think as long as it doesn't cripple you or then don't go anywhere. If it's like, you know what, I'm just going to let this pass and then, and, and then I'll just get back on a plane and travel, you know, then do that. If, um, if you want to go somewhere, but as long as you take all the um, safety precautions, then by all means, you know, I would say go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more of making sure that you, wherever you're going, that, they can, that they're taking care of business there. That means they are, they are spraying, they are cleaning properly, they are doing, you know, they're taking, they themselves are taking the, um, the safety precautions. Because if you go there, no matter... And they're not doing what they need to do. No matter what you do, you can still expose yourself because right. they're not taking care of their property. So as long as you know what they're doing, 
then you should be fine. Even on a plane, just, pre you know, prepare that you're going to be on a plane for whatever period of time. You have your mask on, whatever, she, uh, you know, your face shields, whatever that you need to feel secure in your traveling, then by all means do it. So, but don't let fear stop you of doing something that, you know, you, that you really want to do, right. that you know it could be, it will be safe that for you to do. Who's the most interesting person that you've met in your travels? And, um, and, it, and it's not me. <laughs> you know what? But I did, meet a, I did meet a celebrity on my travels once. Um, I met Tay Diggs on my travels. Um, nice. He was, yes, he was on my airplane. We were going, we were going to Los Cabos, Mexico. And um, as we were coming in, because, you know, you have to go through like the first class before you get to the coach. Right. So I'm walking in and um, and on the last very last row before you hit coach, I don't know why I looked to my right. I looked to my right and I was like, I'm like looking back as I'm still walking to got to stretch my neck and see. And then there was like a, the next the first row to coach. It was like all women. And they're all like, yes, girl, that's him, girl, yes. That's him. <laughs> because I, I was like, is it? Could it be? So I'm trying to be like, yes, girl, that's him. So I took another look. But when we got off the plane, he was waiting for his luggage. He didn't have any security or anything. He was, he just had a hat on and, and you know, and um, uh, sunglasses. And he took a picture. I asked him for a picture. He took one because everybody kind of like going around him, not saying anything. I'm like, I'm like, do you mind if I take a, take a, take a picture with you? He's like, sure. So I was oh like, all right. Gosh. So I had one of my girlfriends take the picture. I was like, you know, then what's, the, what's the worst he could say? No. Uh, uh, see, see, you see, you and my girlfriend are cut from the same cloth. I gave a speech about four <laughs> years ago in Los Angeles, and Tay Diggs was the featured speaker there. So she ran up behind him, and they got a picture together. So I also have the Tay Diggs picture. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it, I, it's on my it's on my um, travel blog. Oh, ah, okay. I, yeah. I tell well, speaking of travel blog, this is a good time. Tell us about your travel blog and and the name of it, and where people can find you on your travel blog yeah. and your Facebook and Instagram. Yes. So um, I have um, um, one on IG and I also have it on Facebook. It's called Traveling.Sister. And I started last year because I realized I've, I'm going to all these places, but I'm not really documenting anything. So I'm like, you know, I want other people to see my experiences. And if, it's, and if they can learn something from it, by all means, you know, I'm like, because my thing is, is, it's not a matter of who, how many people are following you. To me, if one person can see my travels and and have and have an understanding of you know what I could do this you know look mm -hmm. at all look at all that she's doing look at what she's doing look at whether she goes by herself or she goes in a group look like if it could change someone's life even if it's one person then I've done my duty so that's one that was the main reason why I, I created the um, Instagram blog and I also have the Facebook by the same name traveling dot sister Dave I'm going to steal one of your questions that I have here. And the question is, Gina, what gives you an adrenaline rush when you travel? What That's the question I was just going to ask her. <laughs> I, I, I gotta figure that. Oh, my God. It's, for me, it's the, it's the unknown. You don't know what you're walking into. When you travel, you just don't know. You don't know what you're going to answer. You don't know the experience you're going to have. So I think my blood started pumping knowing that, okay, I have all these plans. I, you know, I can't wait. And not knowing what's going to happen. And then as, and because I enjoy the process. 
I enjoy the experience of process as I'm going through it because I want to make sure that I, I see it as much as I can. I do as much as I can, but still have time to relax. But at the same time, I want to see what make this country the way it is. I want to know what the people are doing. So all of this get my blood going because I just can't wait to see and do and smell because the sense of smell is really important. And each, to me, I don't know about you guys, but to me, each country have its own unique scent, unique yeah. smell. When you land, you're like, I'm like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm feeling this. So to me, that's that's what gets me going. Um, just to give you guys a quick story, uh, this was within the U.S. This was my um, last year in college. I was like, you know what? I've never been anywhere for spring break. For spring break, I, you know, because I went to school upstate in Buffalo for undergrad. And I was like, you know what? I've never been anywhere for spring break. I was like, you know what? But this time I'm going. So myself and one of my girlfriends, we were, um, we both were seniors. And then another girlfriend, but she was a junior. We're like, okay, that's it. We're going to, so we did everything last minute. So we, we decided we were going to leave Buffalo. We were, we were going to go to South Beach, Florida. And let me tell you, it was literally a story from for the grandkids kind of situation. We, because I, we, I was looking forward to it. I was like, oh my goodness, I hear all kinds of stories about South Beach. This is where you go for spring break. It's going to be fun. It's going to be this. We were going for five days. And let me tell you, <laughs> from the time we got on the plane until we come back, it was literally an experience. We um, we landed in Florida because the the... the the plan was within in Florida in Fort Lauderdale. And my my friend Kemi, her aunt who lived in Fort Lauderdale, was gonna pick us up and was gonna drive us to um, South Beach, Florida. But she had to work the next day. So we're like, okay, we landed, they'll give us a couple hours, and then she's gonna drive us and then drive back. All right, no problem. We arrived, the plane, I mean, before we even left, there was a huge delay in the flight. So by the time we got there, um, well, our connecting flight. That just did not happen. So we ended up having to take another flight. So we lost our luggages. We had nothing. All we had was a clothes on our back. This is what actually taught me to always have spare clothes in my carry in my carry on or in a bag because that moment we didn't have. We were new. I was like, I was twenty or twenty one. So I I didn't. I've never done that before. So it was always like you know oh, but I've never lost a luggage like that where it's like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm going to do. So um, by the time we, the whole, like, I think it was like half the flight lost their luggage. It, it, it was left somewhere. So by the time we finished, um, we got in line and we finished, we do the, write the reports of our luggage and whatnot. It was almost two o'clock in the morning. So she couldn't take us to, um, um, to South Beach anymore. So she's like, listen, you guys can stay at a hotel in, in Fort Lauderdale. And there's a train that leads from there that will take you straight to um, um, to South Beach. We're like, okay. So mind you, we're still paying for the hotel in South Beach. So and so we called us like, hey, this is what happened. They're like, okay, we'll hold your room. But we're still paying for that hotel for the night. So now we're, we're paying for another hotel because we're staying at the one in Fort Lauderdale. So now they only gave us this little bag with like a T-shirt, um, a comb and a brush and a toothbrush. So all we were all we were able to do was change our shirt the next morning. So we got on we got on the train. We arrived at um, South Beach. We were exhausted. So as we were pulling in, there was a taxi that was coming in with our luggages. So we were like, Hallelujah, our luggages are here. So we took it in. We checked in. The hotel was horrible. When I tell you horrible. 
it had a, it wasn't even a hotel. It was a motel because we just didn't know any better. We didn't because what we saw in the pictures was not what we walked into. <laughs> on, on the television, it was a, one of those metal hangers. Mm-hmm. It really? was a metal hanger for antenna for the television. No joke. I'm not lying to you. They should pay so you to we stay like, there. This is crazy. So we went to sleep. We were like, we're tired. We went to sleep. We woke up maybe like 5 p.m. We're like, okay, let's take a shower and then let's go out to get something to eat. Because we were actually on the on the strip and um, the back of the hotel was on the sand. So we're like, you know what? We, we know, let's make the best of it right now and do what we got to do. So let, then we'll look around for another hotel because this is, this is not going to work. And um, so we, after one person take a shower, we had to wait 20 minutes because the water went all the way up and it took a while for the water to receive. <laughs> so that was another problem. So... So finally, you know, we were looking for hotels. We couldn't find something. We met this girl at a restaurant who's like, hey, let me take you guys to like further into South Beach so that you guys go where the real nice hotels are. It's like, this, you know, she's like, this is all, they're bad. So we, we don't know the girl, mind you. We just got in the car with her. But then, like you said, God says, you know, people said God protect the babies and, and, full of, and the fools. So we were very full of, because we didn't know this girl. And it was almost like, eight o'clock at night. So when we got in the car with her, she took us, but God protected us and we got a new hotel. And then so, but we came back and we slept in the, in the other hotel um, for that night. And then the next day, we, we actually um, got to the other hotel. Now the problem is, again, we're college students. We didn't really have that much money. Again, we were very foolish. We didn't have, so we're in the cab and um, we did not put in mind that, okay, between the hotel where we're staying and the one where we're going to was a very long way, and we and we're taking a cab. So by the time we got there, it was so much money. We were like, we didn't have that much money to pay for it. But the cab, the guy driver was like, listen, you guys are young. It's okay. He took like forty dollars from us, and he's like, go ahead. So we're like, thank you so much. This is God. So we went into our hotel. We're like, you know what, you guys, the experience hasn't been great for the past couple of days, but we got this. Let's just go to the beach, just put our stuff away, go to the beach. We're like, okay, yes, we got this. So we got to the beach, we put our stuff down. So uh, about five minutes later, we're like, oh, let's go take pictures in the water. So we're taking pictures in the water and having fun. The whole time, our stuff was being robbed. <laughs> we had Ooh, no clue. Wow. So we came out the water and our stuff was gone. Like everything was gone. So the guy, a guy was like, hey, the guy kept saying, hey, I'm taking your stuff. We thought he was with you guys. We're like, no, only the three of us came together. So they're like, listen, there's a preset nearby. Go ahead and do a report. But the odds are you're not going to find anything. And we're like, by then, we're like, our spirits were just crushed. We're like, we were so looking forward to this trip. And we haven't had one good thing happen yet. So I'm like, we wrapped in towels, trying to make ourselves to the block and a half to the precinct. We got there. We report everything. I kid you not, all our things were found because somebody they, somebody flagged a cop because someone was dumping stuff in in a back of an alley and looking at through purses, and our stuff was in the stuff they found. No joke. Wow. Forty five minutes later, wow! It was just, it was literally, it was an experience. It was an experience, and yeah. but we were like, but we, but again, we we didn't let that stop us. We were like, and I said, we can still have fun. <laughs> we you know we got our stuff. We went back. We enjoy ourselves. And then we ended up um, 
the next, well, two days later, we had to, we were going, leaving to go back home. But her uncle, who lived close in South Beach, my friend Kimmy's uncle, was like, I'll take you guys back to um, Fort Lauderdale for your flight. However, the flight leaves at 5 a.m. So now we had to leave our hotel early to go to his house <laughs> and sleep there for the night so that we could take our flight back. <laughs> Would I mean, it was literally story for the grandkids from yeah. beginning to end. We, we just didn't know what to do after that. You just gave us one travel tip in terms of how to pack. Don't put yes. everything, don't put everything in your suitcase. Are there any travel tips that you can share with us? Absolutely. Um, I know definitely one of them is you at least put us one set of clothing in a bag for you to go. And if I know now a lot of the, a lot of the airlines, they're making you pay for um, carry-ons. So, um, so what we do, what my girlfriend and I do, we're like, listen, it, women, it's easier for women to do it. It's not as easy for men to do it because men cannot claim they have a purse. <laughs> but women we can so we always have those big bags and we're like that's our purse <laughs> you know? we're like that's our purse you know but they can't tell us it's not our purse because now women have huge purses so we're like that's our purse and we put extra clothing jewelry and stuff like that i, I always have it in my carry-on i do not put it um in um my, my suitcase that goes under the plane because um people go through your stuff and it has happened to me before. And I have no intention of ever losing anything because of that. So anything that's expensive that you are able to carry with you, put that in a purse or a backpack or whatever that you have to go with you. Another travel tip is um, if you're traveling with children, um, especially young children, because um, and, I've, and I've learned that as well, if you, especially if you're taking a red eye, try tie, making them tired. Try tiring them out way early so that by the time they get on that flight, they're knocked out. Because <laughs> I, let me tell you, it, and it works. I've, I've traveled with children before. Um, my girlfriend had, um, um, had a daughter and her and her husband were traveling to go, together to go to Europe. And whenever we go to Europe, we always take the red eye. So for those who don't know, red eye is like the night flights. And so whenever we traveled with her twice before, once she was one years old and then she was two. And she has, she's one of the girls that has a lot of energy. So we, let me tell you, we had her running uh, marathons in that airport before we left. Cause we got there maybe three hours before the flight. We had her running marathons in there. I was like, yup, mm-hmm, keep going. <laughs> so by the time we get on this, she was knocked out for like six hours. And um, so definitely do that. And also always check what the rules are um, at different airports that you're traveling to because some things are very different. Because some airports, um, I didn't know this, but when I was, um, uh, when I went to um, Greece, um, um, on my way back, literally I went through three checkpoints. I didn't know, I thought once you go into the first checkpoint, that's it. But it depends on where your, um, your F, where your gate is. If your gate is like the last gate, you're going through several checkpoints. And, and that means like going through security in terms of taking everything, put everything through, 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 the, um, through the machine, the whole nine yard. So find out how that works because it's not going to happen. Um, if you're, if you're going to, don't be late. <laughs> Always try to get there. If you go to travel international, try to get there at least 
three hours ahead of time. Because trust me, when you go to airports, major um, hubs like um, New York City, uh, Atlanta, those are major hubs. And yes, they will. it will take a while, especially when this COVID thing ends. And there's going to be a lot of people going traveling, which means that those airports are going to be very busy. So try to go as early as you possibly can. You, you know what? You just, you rather stay at the airport and play your video game, listen to some music and so forth and so on, than being late and missing your flight. Because then you're just wasting money, just wasting money and you're wasting time. So I definitely, definitely don't want to do that. And if you're, one of the tips that I also have is I try to make my flight to certain countries either very, very early or night or um, uh, red eye so that I can maximize my time wherever it is that I'm going. And then I normally make my flights coming back around five, six, seven at night so I can, so I can maximize my time there before coming back. That's another way that I actually, because I'm like, listen, I don't want to get a 6 a.m. flight leaving a country that, um, that I, you know, I, I love. I was like, no, I want my flight at 6 o'clock at night, 7 o'clock at night. doesn't matter what time I get home. I don't care about that. But I want to spend as much time as I, I, I could possibly do there that before, before coming back. Always have a phone. Always have your phone because you just don't know. Um, if, if you don't have international, um, um, call on your phone, call your carrier and have them put it on for that time frame that you're going to be there or for that month. Trust me, it is worth it to pay that extra 20, 30, $40 for the time that you're there, that you could have unlimited calls, or unlimited data, because you don't want to get lost in a foreign country and you have no way of contacting anyone, no way of looking at the map of trying to figure out where you are. Always, always do that, please, because it is a safety thing. Yep. Now, now tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. How many mm-hmm. bags do you travel with when you go on vacation? Are you one of those with 20 bags or you just got like one or two? No, this is what I do. Okay. Cause I'm really good after traveling for so long. I'm very good at packing. So I always make sure that I have a carry on my little carry on pulley. And I have only one suitcase that has all my clothing, my shoes, whatever I need in there. But I also, I always put an extra big bag in that bag because I know coming back because I'm going to go shopping. (laughs) I have to make sure that I, you know, that I have enough space. I'm like, listen, if I have enough space for whatever I purchase in my regular big bag, okay. But if not, I always have an extra bag. So, you know, if you go into shop, no, just carry that extra bag with you or else you're going to have to buy another bag wherever it is that you're going because you don't want to do that if you want to spend the extra money. Tell me the scariest thing that's ever happened to you on a trip. Oh, I could tell. Okay, I'll tell you that one. Here's what happened. I went. I was in Greece, and um, I was leaving to go on a one-day trip, like an overnight trip from um, Athens to Santorini. And um, I was trying to, for whatever reason, I don't know why I kept that. I kept the trip to Santorini for. Um, the couple of days before my, ret- my, my return trip. So I was trying to find tickets and I just could not find tickets. So I was like, you know what? Um, let me go to buy close to where the port is so that I can see if I can get tickets there. So I took the train. I'm like, so I, I had my, my trusty map. I'm like, okay, I need to, one of the things that I do, another tip for people, if you're going anywhere and you're taking public transportation, whether you're taking a bus or train, if you do not speak the language, count your stops. 
That means even if I can't, like, I don't, because I can't understand the language, count your stops so you know exactly, okay, I'm getting off after five stops. I'm getting off after 10 stops. I'm getting, so you know exactly where to get off if you can't read the words. Because that's another tip I will give you guys. So traveling just in case. So I made my way to um, the port. Thank God I was able to find, um, to find uh, a ticket. I came back. But unfortunately, the only ticket I was able to get, I had to leave my hotel at about 4.30 in the morning. And, um, but for me, I'm like, listen, I'm very, I'm from, I'm from, you know, I'm, I was raised in New York. I was raised in Flatbush, New York. So I'm always on alert wherever I go, whether I'm in the city or I'm outside the city, I'm always on high alert. So I had my, I had my backpack. I had on my, my sneakers, my hair was tied. I'm always looking four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. doesn't matter. I'm always looking. So I'm walking. I got onto the, I got onto the train. I got off the train and I'm walking to the port because I think it was like port seven and it was a good five, six minute walk from the wagon off the train there. And I heard lady, lady. And I turn around and it was this, this, this guy, he must, he must've been like six, six, six feet, six, one, six, two. Um, but you could tell maybe he was in his fifties and he had this, um, this, cause over there they have a lot more like box juices. What we normally have here in gallons, they have a lot of boxes. So he had this box juice in his hand. He's like, lady, lady. And I turn around and I'm still walking. I'm not stopping. I'm still walking. And I'm, you know, and I'm looking back. I'm like, is he talking to me? And he's like, lady, one juice, one juice. I was like, I just kind of shake my hand, no, but I just kept walking. But I, of course, I kept looking behind because I don't know if he's going to run up on me like that. So I'm still looking, but I see the traffic cop that's right past the gate when you're about to go into the, um, to get the, the boat to go to Centurini. So I'm walking and all of a sudden he's walk, he started walking faster. So I'm like, uh-uh. So I started walking faster and he's, and he's, he's getting angry. Hey lady, hey lady, just getting angrier and a- angrier by the minute. So I'm just like, so I'm walking and walking and walking. So I, I know it was a good distance between me and where the cop was, but I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not taking that chance. So I started really like power walking to get there and he's power walking. And as soon as I, cross that threshold from the um, the sidewalk onto the gate where the cop was, he stopped. So I look back and, and he, he's like, he's like, lady, come, come. And I'm just like, oh, not on your life. So I kept walking. And as, as soon as I passed the cop, he turned around and walked away. That was literally one of the scariest moments because I, I had no idea who this guy is. I'm like, I have no idea what he was offering me. And the more he called and I was not really like following his instruction, he just got angrier and angrier and keep like, hey lady, hey. I was like, not not on your life, my friend. So I just <laughs> kept walking until I passed and, and, and went in. Before we get to your book, this is going to be a weird juxtaposition based on the story you just told, but I'm going to ask this anyway. At the top of uh, the show, David asked you a question about some of your favorite places and would you consider living in either any of them? And you mentioned Santorini and Morocco. Would you mm-hmm. actually consider living in, in, in another country for a while? Uh, is that something that you've thought about? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, if I had, I think for me, if I had the, the uh, monetary means to do it, I would absolutely do it. Because um, right now I work as a teacher. So everything is remote at the moment because I'm actually teaching summer school. And um, as long as I'm able to do something like that within my field, and I know now there's a lot of online, online um, schools right. that um, as long as you have internet service and you, you have a laptop, you could teach anywhere. You know, so I would, de- that would definitely be something that I would love to do. But I know for me, I would make sure I have, I have to make sure I prep myself. Again, everything for me, I have to prepare. I have right. to make sure I have the money. I have to make sure that I have whatever connections that I need to have, especially if I'm going to live at a place. I have to make sure I have the connections. I have to make sure that wherever I'm staying is like a safe place. So I would definitely do my due diligence before doing that. Gotcha. And, and of course, alert your family 10 times over. Of course. Call them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to uh, make a little bit of a pivot here. You mentioned the fact that you were a first grade teacher or a teacher. I'm the one that said first grade. Um, but uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about your book. Uh, tell us where I'm not being lazy. I just don't understand. Tell us about the title, how you came up with the idea and who the book is for. Um, I came up with the idea. Well, I, it was the book is based on, my, on a lot of my experiences and my friends' experiences. When I first came to the U.S. when I was about ten years old, I came in May, and then of course we we, we were we weren't able to go to school until September because school was almost over by then. And um, when I started school in, in September, I didn't I didn't speak any English. And in my classroom, I remember walking in terrified because no one in the class spoke my language, not one person. Now the, the teacher was white Jewish and most of the kids, they had some kids who were Haitians there, but they were born here. So they didn't even speak the language. So therefore it was very, it was, it was almost traumatizing for me. And I know, and I've heard all the time people saying, talking about how kids are, oh, they're just being lazy. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. And for me, I think, because I've, I've at one time said, oh, that child has been so lazy. But then I had to really think back on my own experiences um, as, a, as a student, you know, and what I went through as a student and realized that, no, and that's, that's, that's not saying lazy is just putting a label on, on, on someone that you have no idea what's going on in the person's head. So, um, so that's kind of like where the, um, where the title came from, not being lazy, I just don't understand. And I've been sitting on the story for about five years, changing it here, changing this there, trying to figure out what's the best time. I feel like God definitely kind of brought it out now because that was the right time for it. But the, the whole book is about this girl um, who was 10 years old, I was like based it on that, who um, came, you know, came to the U.S. for the first time, and now she's muddling her way, trying to make friends, learn the language, and figure out what's going on in the classroom that no one speaks her language in. And it's definitely for an array of ages. I think even younger kids, as as young as like first graders, and older kids, as older as the sixth graders, could definitely learn from the experience because it will it, it will teach children so much empathy, sympathy, how to, you know, how to connect with other kids, whether they, whether it is a language barrier or it is a speech um, issue, like a speech impediment, or it is um, the child have a disability. Because right now I am a kindergarten and first grade teacher for special needs children and all my children are on the spectrum. And that's another thing that actually lends itself to my book as well, because a lot of the time the children, just, they don't seem to get what I'm trying to, um, to, um, get them to understand, teach them. So I remember just going to different 
um, other teachers and going, hey, listen, I've tried A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and nothing seems to be working. This is doesn't seem to be penetrating. What do you have that I can use? Or maybe is this, is this something that, you know, a different way for you to explain that I don't know? Because I'm really big on that. I say... Ask questions because you just don't know. So then I'll get, you know, I'll get some answers. I'm like, okay, let me try, let me try that. And I realized that it's not because it's not because that you know lazy. Sometimes they just don't understand a way that you explain it, or it might be they don't understand it because because um, uh, of course our children who are on the spectrum they they process information differently. Maybe the way you speak is a little too fast, or maybe the sounds are off to them. There's so many things that can be the issue that doesn't necessarily mean it's the child. No, it's it could be us. So it's not for them to change. It's for us to change the way we interact with them to try to help them however way that we can. So to me, the book is a way for children to read and be like, listen, you don't know what goes in the mind of other kids. And kids are very, um, you know, everything is me, 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 me. It's like, it's a way for them to get out of themselves. Take yourself out of the equation so that you can, you can feel compassion. You can feel empathy for another child. Because that's a good way to really teach children um, that in the home. Because I truly believe parents are the first teachers. That's, that's just a given. Because you got to teach kids how to walk. You got to teach them how to talk. All that before they even hit school. So, you, so parents are the first teachers. So therefore, there's so, there's so many things that the book can teach even parents. Like, okay, um, there's a part in the book where, uh, by the way, the characters in the book, Georgette and Arnold, are actually my parents' names. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, both my, yes, both my parents have passed away. So I use their names um, as a way to honor them. So that's actually both their names in the book. So there's a, there's a part in the book um, where Georgette, is speaking to her mom because she was like, what does being lazy mean? I'm, you know, I hear it, you know, I hear it, but I don't know what it means. So the, her mom goes, you know, it means when someone doesn't want to work. But the only thing in that, in, in that little scene is the fact that the mom never asked her, why did you ask that question? Like, you know, what, you know, where did you hear that from? And, um, and I think that's a part that parents and teachers can take away from that because a lot of times questions that kids ask you, you need to ask them why after you answer the question then what you need to ask why, cause you don't know the reason they're asking. If there's some questions, even within our brown and black community that kids will ask parents and automatically it's like red flag. Oh my God, oh my God, what, where did you hear that from? If, if they ask about, um, you know, gays and lesbians. If they ask about, you know, something about pornographic, whatever, parents go like, oh my God, where did you hear that from? Oh my God. We should have the same urgency. If, if, even if a child comes to us and says, what does being lazy mean? Like, where did they hear it from? Where is it coming from? Why, why is it that they're asking? After you answer their question, find out where their minds are at. Find out where the emotions are at. Find out where their feelings are at because that way you're better to connect with them because then, because let me tell you, everything starts in the home because if you don't teach your kids these things, somebody else will and they will not teach your kids the way you would. Right. So that's, you know, my book is is not just for um, like the second, third, fourth graders. I think a, an array of people can learn from that book. Gotcha. I, it took me a year to write my first book. How long did it take you to do yours? It didn't take me that long to write the original book per se, <laughs> but 
within those five years, I keep going back and keep changing things at my leisure. Like if I'm like, oh, I don't have anything to do right now. Oh, let me go back to that book and I'll change like a, like a sentence or I'll change something about the character or I'll change something about the scene and then I'll put it away and I'll start all over again. Uh, you know, an, an, another time. And I'm like, oh, you know, oh, I don't like this. Let me change this. Let me change that. So it took me maybe about eight months or so to actually write the original script. Okay. But then after that, a manuscript, after that, it just, I just keep changing things here and there. And then, um, but when I origi- originally wrote it, it was, it didn't have enough word count to be for the age group that I was, that I was, um, going for. So I was asked by the editors to expand it. So I had, I literally had seven days to double the book. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, cause they were giving me four days. I'm like four days. You know how long it took me to write the original? Been there, <laughs> been days. there. <laughs> I, was like, oh, like, I was like, okay, give me seven days. But so, you know, I just started going and going and going. But, um, for me, um, it wasn't until last year that I got really serious about um, publishing it. And I reached out to a girlfriend of mine. Um, her name is Patty. She's Dr. Patty Richardson. And she actually wrote several books on like nutrition and black hair and all that. She's an amazing woman. And she told me about this company called DG um, Self Publishing, which is the, the um, editors and the illustrators for my book. And the name of the, um, of the, um, couple, which are amazing couple is Shamira and Donnie Hill. And they are, um, and I reached out to them. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready yet, but I just want to let you know, I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm on your page. I'm on your Facebook. I'm looking at what's going on. So they reach out to me again. And then finally, I'm like, you know what? This is, you know, this needs to happen. And I'm like, I don't know, because it's, it's very expensive, to, you know, because it's self-publishing. It's very expensive. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I don't know what to do. So then um, I kept seeing commercials about, hey, do you want a permission to write your book? Well, here's your permission. I was like, OK, God, thank you. I got it now. <laughs> I got it. So I'm going I'm to do it. I got it now. So God provided the, uh, um, the means to do it. And I just went for it. When did you realize you wanted to be a writer and what what drove you to that point? Um, I think when I first became a teacher, before I became a teacher, I used to work in the, uh, on Wall Street. I did that for several years because teaching is my second career. And then I had because I, I had my undergrad in economics and I worked and I worked in an accounting firm for several years. And then I switched career um, and then I started working as a teacher. But when I first started working as a teacher and I started working with children with disabilities, I mean, my it was my heart just like melted. I, I love, 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 love my kids. And um, and I remember um, one child, this was like years ago. And he was doing something and I was like, oh, this child is just so lazy. He doesn't want this and that. And that moment brought me back to my own childhood when I first came to come to the U.S. And the stuff that I heard people say about me because, because they felt like I wasn't doing enough for me to learn the language. And I'm just like, Gina, why would you say that about somebody else's child knowing what you went through? And I think that was kind of like the catalyst for me that really kind of start steamrolling into me wanting to be an author. I was like, I want to write my story. I want to write, um, you know, what this meant to me. And it, it would, I wanted to resonate not only to emergent bilinguals, but also to children who are on the spectrum or having disabilities. I have a, um, a woman that I don't know. She's actually the, my cousin's boss who bought my book, read the book and wrote like a, a beautiful review on, on my, uh, my cousin's um, Facebook page. And she was explaining how she herself 
went through something kind of similar, but it's, it wasn't a language barrier is because she didn't know why she just couldn't do math. She was like, they kept calling her lazy to call her kind of, she's like, she barely graduated high school because she went through, I mean, it, it just messed her up so badly, but she was like, it's not until she was 20, 22 or 23 years old that they diagnosed her with dyslexia. Mm-hmm. So all these years, she was being called all kinds of names. So she was she was being called lazy several times. She would tell she doesn't try hard enough. She just doesn't want to do stuff. She doesn't want this. But not knowing that there was an actual issue that, that was blocking her from really learning and experience what she needed to experience and moved on and built what she needed to build on that bridge of learning. So that really, like... I almost cried reading that because I'm like, this is what I want people to understand. This is what I want people to experience because it's not just about, Oh, you know, that's child. Don't, don't just throw words because words are very, words are more powerful than blows. And people don't understand that a blow. You hit someone, you will feel it in the moment. You might get the bruise in a moment, but tomorrow you forget it. Words will last a very, 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 very long time. Um, I, I know for me, I've experienced it. There's some words that people have said to me that I, I hold on to. And if that person might not even have thought about what that person, what, what, what she said, like after she's actually uttered those words, but it meant so much to me. I remember one of my, um, my very first boss, I was 16. I was working in an accounting from the admin side. And I remember I used to just stuff money in my pocket. Cause I was 16. I was like, oh, whatever. Just talking. And I remember she put me, she's just like, listen, She's like, you are a young lady. Young ladies always carry purses. I was, I have not, not carried my purse ever since. She probably doesn't even remember this story, but I remember it because it impacted me so much. Right. But people don't realize the same way something somebody can say that could be positive, that could be so impactful to you. And somebody can say something negative, it could be just as impactful. And, and that negative will undo all the positive that you probably yes. spent years building up. That one negative comment will stick with you for decades. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's and it's tough. Uh, tell us, um, is your book out? Uh, yes, it's on it's on Amazon.com. You um you were able to get it at the UK, Canada, wherever you are, you'll be able to find it. It's there. Um, so um, I know some people were having difficulties accessing it through um, the uh, website outside of the U.S. But what some people, not everyone, but some people said they were able to find it with ease, but other people said they were having difficulties. What other people said, they went to the U.S. side of Amazon, they copy it and then click it and then put the, the title in the whatever, the Canada or the U.K., and they were able to find it without a problem. So I've been going back and forth with Amazon on that, but you could definitely find it on Amazon. Um, dot com and it's there and when, after you you've purchased it please leave a review well I have nothing else for you. I want to thank you so much for doing this. You have been uh, a wonderful guest. I love, love, love your energy. Uh, uh, it's infectious <laughs> in, in a good way, not COVID infectious. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I know Dave shares my sentiment. We, we really liked having you on. Yeah. Podcast. And uh, 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 please come back when you have some more great travel stories to share with us. And, Absolutely. Uh, I have two questions to answer you before you go. Sure. What's your favorite book to read? My favorite book to read? Um, hmm. I actually, this is going to sound, um, I, I, uh, Michelle Obama's Becoming, 
um, cause I have a book club that, I, that, um, that, I, that I used to go to and that book resonated with me so much that I love, 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 love that book. We had a, a um, like a four hour discussion on just yeah. that book alone. And I have it, it's actually, <laughs> my phone is on there right now, <laughs> so I can't pull it out, but it's right there. And that's one of the books that I actually have displayed in my in, in my apartment because, and I'm always encouraging people to read it, especially um, African-American women. It's like, there's so much that she, um, she talks about about from and she's such a great storyteller and the way that she t- she tells the story and build on it is amazing and I love that's literally one of my absolute favorite books yeah. to read <laughs> and I'm always encouraging people to read it and now they had the um, the becoming on Netflix so you, you know I watched that already so yeah. it's a wonderful book. One of my favorite books to read now is going to be by an author named Gina Paul. <laughs> I'm sure she will love it. She is an amazing author. She's going to make number one. Let me tell you, mark my word, she's an amazing that, author. See, that's the best endorsement you'll ever get. <laughs> yep, that it is. Be a David Cumberbatch. I'm normally not a podcast person, but after watching your shows and about your trickles, you know I'm a trip girl. After watching, because um, I've actually went on your podcast and actually listened in, and I've actually went on your website, and yes, because you know, I got to do my research and due diligence, and I saw it, I was like, this is really cool, because what you guys are doing, I feel like it is a great experience for any traveler, um, anybody who's going to go, any any trip, take listen up. Come back and listen to the podcast for these gentlemen because they are they know what they're doing. And I feel like is you build you guys building experiences for other people. Sometimes you build experience before you even get to wherever you're gonna have your own experience. Because you're living through someone else until you make your own experiences. So I would say um, I would definitely be following you guys. I already started following you guys actually, and um, and I've been listening um, to you guys. And one of my favorite ones is the um, I can't remember her name, but but she currently lives in Costa Rica. And I, I was like, and I went that. to Costa Rica, so I really, I really enjoyed listening to her and the stories that she that she was telling. So, um, so I would definitely say um, um, that this is what you guys are doing. I really enjoy it, and you guys are a fun um, um, guys to um, to to talk to. And in your own experiences, I'm sure you guys are going to have a quadrillion stories to tell. You probably, you probably have been more places than I have. So, and now you guys have to hear a hundred million stories. So, I really truly believe that this is you guys are doing something that that is necessary for travelers because it would help travelers to know before they go you know know before you go on a trip what you need to know um because a lot of the times that you know people just book a trip and say okay i'm gonna go and then don't really think about it and process okay you're gonna go but is it the best thing for you to go at this country or this place or this whatever or this location in that country? Because, you know, there is there is some countries that women, before you go, you have to dress a certain way. That's just that just that's just life. You just you cannot just walk in with like, you know, cut off shirts and short shorts. You have to dress up you know, a certain way. And I think what your podcast has exposed and shown people is that, you know, yes, you guys do need to travel, get, you know, get to know the world and do whatever you need to do to get there. Because the most important thing is you got to go do it, do it, do it, do it. So thank you you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. I was a little nervous about coming. I was like, Oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen, but you guys really made it very comfortable. 
You have been listening to Gina Paul. Please pick up her book. I'm not being lazy. I just don't understand. It is out there on Amazon right now. And you can also follow Gina on her um, social media handles, traveling.sister. Is that right, Gina? Traveling.sister on both Instagram and Facebook. She has, I actually have it on my uh, tablet sitting here off to the side. And I'm going to listen to some of your videos when we get off this call. Gina, again, thank you so much for doing this. 